This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, welcome along to the Blood Red channel. I'm Guy Clark. For our latest offering is a Lone Watch special looking at the remarkable start to life at Fulham. Nico Williams is making two assists and two goals. More on that in a bit. In seven championship games, Welshman very much making himself at home at the cottage to provide the insight on just how spectacular he's been. It's a pleasure to welcome Dan Cook from the Fulhamish podcast back to Blood Red. Dan, thanks for your time and how are you keeping? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, very good. Uh, as I've been saying to quite a few people, life's quite easy as a Fulham fan at the moment. Um, yeah. So it's always a pleasure coming online to uh, to talk about us. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I was I was looking at the stat today saying your goal difference is better than the goals for of any other championship rival this season. And I suppose that's a great place to kick off because Nico Williams has, has definitely been doing his bit to help that kind of goal scored column ratchet up. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, he'd been looking like he was getting close to, to scoring a goal for us over the past couple of weeks. Um, if people have seen, he had a quite a spectacular effort from the halfway line uh, at the weekend, which uh, would have been hands down goal of the season if it had just snuck underneath the bar. And then uh, last night, Tuesday night against Swansea uh, in his in his motherland, uh, he was exceptional and got his first and second senior goal and, and first and second goal for Fulham and the second one is well worth a watch it's a it's an absolute howitzer yeah no definitely I, I know my sort of feed in particular lit up on on Saturday over the weekend <laughs> with that effort against Blackburn he's doing his best Xavi Alonso impression <laughs> as you say he's he kind of been knocking on the door but kind of wind it all the way back to kind of when he started I know last time you joined us was to talk all about Fabio Carvalho we will touch on him towards the end, perhaps. But that was around kind of deadline day. And this deal all of a sudden came out of nowhere initially as part of the negotiations for Carvalho. What were your expectations when he was kind of announced as a loan arrival? Yeah, it was an interesting one. It was one actually Fulham fans had been, well, Fulham fans in the know had been wanting um, because we had an interesting right-back situation where our first choice right-back, Kenny Tete, had picked up quite a few injuries through the season. And then on deadline day, our backup right back uh, left us to go to, to Club Bruges, back to his home country. So we did need someone in that spot because at the point, Kenny Tete was still injured. And so it was very well received. I think people were excited um, to see what he could bring to the team. And he kicked off, I mean, the first game, he, he looked really, really impressive. And I think actually he's grown in every game. And I think... I was thinking about this earlier and we, we spoke about it slightly with Harvey Elliott, uh, where Harvey Elliott was put into a Blackburn side that played football in a way that suited players trying to come up through the Liverpool system. And I think that's worked perfectly here again, where Nico Williams is slotting into a side that is in, has intentions to play out from the back. And it's worked both for us and him as a player, because it's someone who's just bought in instantly to the system we play. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit of a kind of championship admirer myself and do watch the division very closely indeed. And kind of on, on what you say there, it seems as though he's been kind of the perfect fit because you mentioned the, the injuries with, with Kenny Tete through the, the, the early part of the season. I mean, at times, Bobby Deckled over Reed, a, a number 10, as it were, and, and last year in the, the Premier League was was finding himself kind of playing in that position. There is very much an offensive onus on whoever's playing at right back for Fulham to really get forward. And, and Nico Williams, 
Nico Williams seems to have really enjoyed that that role in particular. Definitely. And I think one of the things I've been very impressed with with Nico is, and it's something that Kenny Tete's does a lot, is that he's not one-dimensional. I think you see some attacking fullbacks, they have their, their go-to overlap first time ball into the box. But I think Nico Williams has shown he's got so many strings to his bow. You've got the overlap, you've got the underlap. He tucks inside, he delivers balls from deep. I think it's really pushed us on a little bit in the past few weeks because it's just given us a different arsenal, a different way to attack teams. And he's been really vital. And, you know, if we look through some of our games recently, the, the Hull game was his second appearance, I believe. And it was his incredible ball in, I would say Trent-esque ball in that got us the only goal of the game. And so he has picked us up points through his own brilliance. And I think you mentioned that he's got two goals and two assists. Technically, uh, I would say he's got four assists because he got one, I, I can't believe it got taken away from him, but against Millwall, um, where the cross he put in took a slight deflection, which seems to have taken the assist away from him. And then again against Blackburn, it was his shot that was parried out for the goal. So you can almost add another two assists onto his tally. I was going to say, just before we kind of start recording, I was looking at his numbers. And I mean, he's he's got an assist and a goal every 303 minutes at the moment. So that's a, that's a goal involvement in every kind of 151, 52 minutes, if you want to say. I mean, as you as you mentioned there, there's been so much more within that as well. They're kind of direct goal contributions. But he, to me, watching him stylistically, you, you mentioned kind of Trent comparisons there. And I remember when he kind of came on the scene at Liverpool, certainly in the FA Cup against Shrewsbury, I think it was, and, and against Everton in kind of around that time of uh, early 2020. Um, and the thing that really stood out at the time was equally like Trent, his passing ability. But the thing I've been very impressed with this season playing for Wales and now with Fulham is his ability to, to carry the ball, his dribbling is, is absolutely sensational and very much kind of that old school or I suppose early 20. 20- first century kind of fullback that we kind of think of, of your likes of Danny Alves, Cafu, those likes, if you know what I mean, who who get to the Definitely. byline and put the crosses in. Yeah. And I think it's it's his directness and, and something I love in players is players who can be direct and purposeful when they're on the ball. And he's done it a couple of times this season uh, and, and they're well worth a look. I think I believe one of the times was against uh, Millwall, potentially Huddersfield, where he drove 50 yards with the ball, beating three or four men, picking up on the halfway line. He ended up in their box. And it's not through necessarily, you know, the flashiest of skills. It's just the right change of pace and the right change of direction, which I think is so useful as, as a fullback, because in those moments, especially when you're looking to get a ball in, you're just looking for half a yard just to get that space for a cross. And Nico seems to have that in his lock. He seems to have that understanding of of how to beat a man well enough to achieve what he wants to achieve. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was in the Huddersfield game, a rare defeat, actually, for Fulham. Yeah. Game on TV, I watched him. He'd bring, there was one where he did get to the byline, cut it back, and I think it was the aforementioned Deckard over Reed actually fell over at the, the far post and couldn't put it away. But equally in that game, he then scuffed a shot and there was an equaliser, which obviously goes down as an assist for him. But I mean, looking a bit deeper at, at some of those numbers, I mean, 3.9 dribbles per game, that's the most at Fulham since he's come into the side. And as I say, really kind of underlining what he offers. It's 1.1 key passes 
per game. Harry Wilson and shock Fabio Carvalho kind of topping the charts at Fulham with those. But as I say, that assists record of, of one every 303 minutes it is only behind Wilson, Tom Kenny and, and Deckard over Reed. I mean, the way in which within seven games he's got four goal contribution. It has, an, and I get Fulham are an ultra attacking team, but I suppose for Liverpool, they couldn't really have handpicked, as you say, wanting to be direct and purposeful as well in possession is exactly what Jurgen Klopp wants from this team. Exactly. And I think even the flip side of that as well is it's not even just in possession up the field. There have been times, and I've specifically noticed it with him, where he will receive the ball in tricky areas in, in, our, fine, in our third. And I think you see it, especially at the championship level, a tendency just to seek Rosette and, and, and clear lines. But where he's been fantastic, and it's something that I love about Virgil van Dijk and love watching him, his, his ability to receive the ball under pressure in, in difficult situations and just play his way out and just that, that confidence. And Nico's done that. And I think that's a huge part of how we then end up higher up the pitch with him is his ability to play out of that and then affect the game in the final third. And it, it, this is where it just though those philosophies tie in so nicely uh, that I think it's just been such a mutually beneficial loan deal. I mean, even going three ways, because it's benefited the club, the player, you know, both clubs and the player, which I think is huge. Yeah, he seems to have really got his confidence back as well. I mean, when he first broke in, as I was saying before, he, he looked really confident. It was kind of like a, a look at it of, oh, it's probably just become this fullback conveyor belt for the right <laughs> coming through, which seems to kind of be the way of English football right now. Connor Bradley's also coming through the ranks at Liverpool as well. But as you kind of say there, it's easy to go and find numbers and look at numbers for kind of direct output. But in terms of... of in-game, as you're saying there, defensively inside his own third. A, a lot with Liverpool is made, obviously, of how Trent Alexander-Arnold has kind of changed the game of being a full-back stroke playmaker. It, it sounds as though Nico Williams at times has been trying to add that to the Fulham team as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's it's so important nowadays as a full-back. And I think one of the things we're really interested in as Fulham fans, you touched on, on Conor Bradley, is that do Liverpool see a pathway for Nico Williams anymore because whilst he seems to be ticking all the boxes and I'm, I'm sure that this will help helped his cause in terms of his, his potential future career at Liverpool. Fulham fans, if you go on Twitter, especially after last night, there's only one thing they're saying and it's sign him up now um, because he has everything that you need in a positive, positively minded see team which is a fullback who is confident in possession who is competent in defense and that's exactly what he is and I think he fits that Liverpool mold and, and then just by default fits the Fulham mold the blood red podcast from the Liverpool echo How has he been defensively? Because that has, with with Liverpool, kind of been where the question marks have been. He's got he's got great recovery pace, much like Trent. But in terms of kind of that front foot defending, I know there have been concerns over that. But as I say, offensively, you can see everything defensively quite difficult in the numbers to to look into. Yeah, I, I think his first appearance, I was slightly concerned. There were a couple of moments in his debut where. It wasn't overly sure. Like we've, Kenny Tete is a fantastic, especially a one-on-one defender. He's brilliant, but I would I would say that that Fulham fans are, are very comfortable with him on the right hand side now, and Nico both offensively but and defensively, which is, is very important because of 
the need to recover when you're a team that plays on the front foot, the need to be solid in the mo the few moments of a game where you are defending. And he stands out very much in both both areas of his game. And I can't think really of many, many situations in the past four or five games where I've looked at him and thought he should be doing better there because I think he's just been very solid. And obviously he is wonderful in attack and that's where everyone notices his output. But I think as a defender, if you're not necessarily noticing someone's sort of failures, I think that's a really good sign because it just means that he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah, I suppose it comes back to that point we've kind of made from the off is that it's a very comparable position of of what he would have been used to. I suppose even in training with Liverpool of kind of the tempo and, and where the defensive line needs to be as a, as opposed to maybe going to a Premier League struggler who struggler who he would be back in his own own third all the time. But on that, I mean, I was looking at it before and I, I was amazed actually to see he, he's still just 20 turns 21 next month. I mean, I, I did think he was at least a year older than that. But you, you look at him and, and what do you think his, his ceiling is? To me, it feels as though this dropped down at the time when he was sent out on loan. It was kind of a, is this maybe the beginning of the end? There were rumblings in the summer that actually he was looking for a, a permanent move for more opportunities. But actually taking a step down to the championship to a dominant side actually may well benefit him a lot longer term. Definitely. I, I think it's it's just it is so tough at Liverpool coming through as a right back. And there's going to be an element of bias here, but his I think his ceiling probably is higher if he does make that permanent move away, because as fabulous as I think he is, Trent's in a different realm. Uh, and I I don't see any possibility where he he takes Trent's spot from him. But if given that opportunity to move away, and if he, for example, were to come back to Fulham next season on the permanent, he he has the the potential to really kick on, and I think you could easily see him at a an, another top six club, because you look at all of his attributes, and and that's the type of player that these clubs are looking for. Yeah, kind of at twenty at twenty twenty one. I mean, he's still got so far to go. I think it's such a young age for a defender. I suppose it would kind of all, almost be, uh, I don't know, an insult to him to be that Trent deputy for the rest of time because he has proven by far and away now very much still his tender years. And, and even when he's been playing for Wales, people have seen a player in there. But as you say, that pathway to regular football at Liverpool, unless well, it's not open Pandora's box, but unless Trent <laughs> moved into the midfield and, and that offered him a way in. But actually, I suppose Chelsea have, have proven it with, Funnily enough, right backs themselves with the likes of Tarek Lamptey and Tony Livramento, who have who have moved on themselves to other Premier League clubs. That actually, it may be more beneficial for Liverpool to, as painful as it may be, see an academy graduate move on to then maybe benefit future, sorry, further down the line in the future with maybe a sell-on clause in a in a negotiated transfer fee. Definitely, and I think you can see with him, and and, and it's the same with, with players like like Lamptey and Livramento, that their confidence is just so up because they've got this opportunity to play football and they're showing what they can do, and it's so much less pressure on them. I think where at a top six club, when you get your one opportunity due to a suspension or injury, there's so much pressure on that moment. But when you're told that you are someone's first choice right back and this is your spot. He's just, he he's settled into that. And I think the biggest compliment I can give him is that I think Kenny Tete is, is one of the best right backs the championship's ever seen. He's a man who's played in the Champions League semi-final and he's come back from injury and he's 
seen about 10 minutes off the bench in a game when we were just trying to cling on to a 1-0 win. So he's really made that spot his own in, in, in the past what, month. Yeah, and as you were saying there about Kenny Tete, I was thinking of Ajax and thinking, was that when he played in the Championship? But he's been he's been with Leon, of course, as well. And yeah. I mean, he's a player who's 26. He's not as though he's a, a veteran coming to the end of his time and seeing out his career at Fulham. I mean, the competition for places there and the way in which, as you say, that Nico Williams has kind of just deposed him overnight, as it were, is, is some doing. Yeah, and we've got a manager who's, who's proved this season that in order to get dropped, you have to do something that warrants being dropped. You know, if you are putting in the necessary performances, regardless of who is behind you, you will keep your spot. And and that's what Nico's done. And, and Kenny Tete has been back for three or four games now on the bench. And Nico's kept that spot because he has shown game in, game out that he deserves it. And until he does something that, that shows that maybe he should be dropped, I think he'll keep that spot. I suppose with with Trent and the final point on Nico Williams and just kind of I suppose fullbacks in general is it's always famous, isn't it, that line that Jamie Carragher trotted out of no one grows up wanting to be a fullback. But given within certainly expansive systems that like the likes of Liverpool and Fulham play, that when you come up against a low defence, the space for the fullbacks, they have most time on the ball and vision on the pitch to see where the gaps are to pick. So often it was the most limited players playing there, but actually proves that putting someone with the take uh, the technical capabilities of, of an Eco Williams, of a Trent Alexander-Arnold, actually, it does just completely open up the game. It does massively. And as I said, against against Hull was the, the prime example of that moment when you have a fullback who who has that technical ability, you create a situation and a goal out of, of very little danger. You know, he was pretty deep. Uh, I would say he was nowhere near the edge of the box and, and it was a, a magnificent ball in. And by having such technically capable players, and I think one of the things we haven't mentioned is that actually the partnership he's built up with Harry Wilson has been brilliant to watch because of their understanding of each other. It's where we have unlocked teams recently, and, and I did a piece on this about our use of cutbacks, and, and those cutbacks all have been coming through Nico Williams and Harry Wilson because it's that intelligence and also the technical abilities that allow the, us to unpick some very deep defences. You get it in the Premier League, you get it in the Championship. You know, teams sit back, and it's crucial if you're going to try and create from out wide to have those players. Yeah, no, definitely. Let's talk a bit about Harry Wilson then and Fulham at the top end of the pitch. You know I'm going to work my way to, to Fabio Carvalho <laughs> as well. But just on Wilson and, and Williams and the relationship, it, it feels as though there's something brewing there between Liverpool and Fulham that is mutually beneficial. Of course, the Harvey Elliott fee had to go to tribunal and that was something Liverpool really didn't want to have to go through with Fabio Carvalho, which who knows may well still happen, may not. We'll have to, to wait and see how that plays out. But the way in which the, the Harry Wilson deal was structured that there's no payment for the first year and that comes in the following year which it looks for all intents and purposes as though Premier League money will be being pushed back into to Craven Cottage once more and, and now Nico Williams going on loan the interest there from Liverpool in Fabio Carvalho it feels as though there very much is kind of a, a template being created there that, that suits both clubs. Yeah and I think this is one of the level-headed views that came out the the day after transfer deadline day because I think there was a, a rush of both Fulham and Liverpool fans. Fulham fans very happy that it seems like we'd done a done a number on Liverpool by getting in a player on load and not losing a player and Liverpool fans thinking the opposite. But I think if anything it was testament to the fact that there clearly is some form of 
mutual agreement here in place and that there are very good lines of communication because the fact that, that Liverpool and Fulham will have known that actually this was getting quite tight and the Carvalho deal wouldn't go through. But to still, for us to receive Nico Williams, I think shows that, if anything, it's quite a strong line of communication and relationship at the moment. And so I would say to Liverpool fans that I think that probably means that Fabio Carvalho is still very much on the cards because I don't think we would have seen Nico Williams coming in if that wasn't the case. No, and equally, it might play to kind of the wider negotiation, mightn't it? Because at the end of the day, given his tender age with Carvalho, I mean, so long as Fulham have got a, 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 an offer to put towards him, they will be entitled to compensation. They're not just going to release him. So they will be entitled to compensation. But equally, I suppose, with, with Nico Williams, perhaps it's a, a, a try-before-you-buy situation with him. There's the... the uh, Harry Wilson deal also that's going to be getting done and actually where the, the the price kind of falls around that. I suppose that's all open to speculation, but definitely one to think about. And I wanted to ask you about Carvalho and kind of since that move broke down, how's he been getting on? Because I know last time we caught up, you were sort of saying just how brilliant he's been. He'd had a bit of an injury disrupted autumn, but he was just coming back into the team at that time and, and getting some goal involvements. To me, watching Carvalho, Wilson and, and Mitrovic, it seems like some kind of championship cheat code. Yeah, it, no, it really is. And and Fabio has continued to be very, very good. There's been a couple of games where he's not been quite at his best, but I think he's continued his progression. And I think one pleasing thing for Fulham fans is that his commitment hasn't dwindled. You know, he's still putting out 100% effort for the team and he is still producing results. I think all the things we spoke about, he's continued doing, you know, as we spoke about him being press resistant, but also so fantastic in the press. He, he showed it last night. He was very dynamic. It wasn't his best game, but he's always got that ability to just change a game when we need it to be changed. I think that's one of the biggest pluses of him is that having a player who can try and sort of create a situation when there's nothing on and when you need that sort of impetus and you need someone just to grab the game, that's what he's done and he's continued to do that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I suppose, what does it say for his mentality that, that still a teenager moved to, to one of the biggest clubs in the world didn't quite come off when I'm sure he was being told it, it was going to happen, there was no need to panic and it was all going to go through because he, he was going to be staying at Fulham anyway for the remainder of the season. But I suppose on that mentality point, kind of has it affected him at all? Because I mean, you, you can even see with a player like, like Harry Kane didn't get his move in the summer to Man City, yet he does seem to have had a bit of baggage around that. Carvalho, what's, what's the score with him on that? I, I really don't think it has affected him. I, I think he is a, a very level headed kid, and I think he's shown that through his sort of footballing intelligence, or you see it on the pitch, but also he just seems very, very down to earth whenever you see him speak. He just seems like a normal 19-year-old kid. And last night, I think, is, is a relatively good example, actually, because he got subbed off in a part of the game when we were comfortable. And actually, he was pretty disappointed. You know, people would notice that when he came off, he sort of trudged off. He, he still wanted to play. And, and clearly, that, that shows that I think his biggest motivation is, A, helping the team and performing his best, but also just developing himself and proving himself because I think he's trying to pull in elements to his game. And I think he's got a good group of players to learn from because you have players like Harry Wilson, who, who are very dynamic in the final third, but you also have players who play in behind him who have much more sort of playmaking 
abilities. And I think he's trying to pick up all of those different elements to his game just to improve himself. And I don't think it's with a view of, you know, I want to get my move to Liverpool or I, I, I want to be playing Champions League football. It's just because he's a driven kid and he wants to be as good as he can be. Yeah, that hunger and improvement just to, to keep bettering himself, as you say, not trade off the name of a club who might well be looking to buy him, but actually just keep improving himself. Fascinating insight as ever, Dan. I have to say, I'm actually making a trip down to the cottage over the Easter weekend to uh, see yeah. you in action. I think it's good to pass the North End. So uh, looking forward to seeing Nico Williams, to see Harry Wilson. He's, he's a player I always had a soft spot for, but never quite able to make the grade <laughs> at Liverpool. And equally, Fabio Carvalho. And I'm sure by that time, it could well even be a title-winning promotion party or may well already be all said and done but uh, enjoy the rest of the season it's been some ride for Fulham so far this season but as ever Dan as I say thanks for uh, thanks for your time been an absolute pleasure thank you very much guy brilliant stuff well that's it from this edition of Lone Watch here on the Blood Red channel from myself Guy Clark and Dan Cook thanks for your time and your company it's bye for now you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo